this is Rachel Lynn, and you are listening to Upstage Left. In this episode, I speak with one of my heroes, Diana O. Oh. They are a writer, artist, musician, performer, whose work defies categories and genres. Earlier this year, their Infinite Love Party premiered at the Bushwick Star. It was an intentional barefoot potluck dinner and sleepover. Their next project is called My Hate Letter to the Great American Theater and will be showing at the Public Theater on July 29th, but I'm sure there will be other versions of that available for the public to see down the line, so please keep an eye out for that. If you're not familiar with their work, I encourage you to visit dianao.co to watch some videos and clips. I personally have been watching some of the music videos on repeat for the last week, so... Get ready to get Diana's song stuck in your head. Working on this podcast has been so gratifying and fulfilling, but it's also great to have communities to work around and be with. That's why the Artist Co-op is an amazing resource for freelance artists. Members have access to rehearsal studios, desks, and other creators in the same space. Visit theartistcoop.com to find out more info on how to join. You can find links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Upstage Left, and here is Diana. Wow, it's nice here. It's (laughs) nice in front of you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. I was like, feel emotional. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel emotional. Too. Yeah. Wait, why? Like, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's like being seen, or it's like seeing somebody who sees you, who you see. You know, mm. it's like, I know your lived experience. Or because, not that I know your lived experience, but because I recognize my lived experience. Because yeah. we are, <laughs> you know, Asian. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I want to start by talking about my lingerie play. Yeah. Which I know is, feels, is a long time ago. Yeah, like three, three years ago or four years ago, three years ago. But you know, started what, what working it? on it in 2014. Um. That that's what the website said, right? Yeah, yeah. it was twenty four. I read it in an article. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if that's what the article said, then then yeah, twenty fourteen is when is when it you know, I think that's when I first started when it was just on my own, no producers, no theater company, just doing what felt right to me. Mm. You know, the street installations was very, very guerrilla, mm-hmm. like very um, from, you know, from my kitchen sink, really direct. We just kept it very close to my circle of friends. My friend Hayan filmed that first installation in Times Square. And from there, you know, I didn't. I didn't make it with the expectation that it was going to be, it was going to pop off (laughs) in that way, but I knew that I just needed to do it. And I believed in the message so much, and I believed in in my body 
so much. Um, yeah, it's like I'll always be so proud because I it, I didn't. It was something that I I did without anyone telling me what to do. Mm. I didn't ask for anyone's permission to do it. I didn't take anyone's notes. You know, it wasn't like, That's... what do you think of this installation? Like, 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 are the people gonna get understand the beginning, middle, and the and the end? <laughs> you know, it was just like, it was so great. Like <laughs> purely just out of your own need to do it and your yeah. own belief, and just so because uh, some people may not know what it is. So I'm just sure. gonna a brief overview. It's. It was 10 installations mm-hmm. in Times Square. The way I describe it. Yes, describe okay. it, please. You're going to get 10 fun. underground performance installations in my lingerie staged in an effort to provide a safer, more courageous world for women, queer, trans, and non-binary humans to live in. That culminates into a concert of my original music. And the concert is the ninth installation, and it culminates then into the 10th installation, which is where all the audience members are invited all together outside for a big 10th final installation. Hmm. Um, so the first time I did my lingerie play was in 2014, which was like very guerrilla art, like on my own. Um, there was this, uh, where was it? Where was the, uh, All For One, this theater company, and they had commissioned me to write a solo piece and it was happening in November. And I told them that, like, I'm doing these installations. I don't know what it means, but I think that if you're giving me space and support to make a solo piece, I think it, the, the, the final thing is a concert. Like, I think that, the, that like, the installation is a concert. Yeah. Um, and so then, then that was it. It was almost like the assignments and the, the dates came <laughs> before the actual work did. Mm. Um, and so that's what 2014 was. Um, and then in 2017, um, in 2017, that's when, you know, Rattlestick had gotten involved and Rattlestick had really taken it under its wing to be like, we can do this. We're a theater company that can do this. And I had in a million years, if anyone had ever asked me like, oh my God, are you going to make this piece so that like this, this like theater house can like do your play and it was like absolutely not if anything they're like the enemy like if anything like that's the exact space I don't want this work to be in mm. um and with Rattlestick I thought that they had just they would just want to do the concert but Daniela Topo who's the artistic director there was like you have to do the installations like you have to you know and I, I was so energized and excited by that by mm. somebody who has the resources and the and the bravery to take it on it, it was amazing and yeah and because of her support um you know i won i won a couple grants which made it possible to travel the installations mm. to new orleans and the white house and a rest stop in virginia that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing Another one of your pieces is the Infinite Love Party, which you describe uh, on the website as a um, barefoot potluck dinner, dance party, and sleepover for um, QTPOC and allies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Clairvoyance, which happened in Boston, was an installation series culminating on a concert and a tree planting. Mm -hmm. 
and you know your work it inherently dismantles kind of like structure in theater in some ways yeah. how do you come to each form or each piece do you feel like you you come anew or mm. does it call you does it tell you what it wants to be or yummy wow you're good at this <laughs> well I mean it, it's recently that I got comfortable calling myself an anti-theater accidental theater artist like mm. I don't feel comfortable calling myself a theater artist like when people ever use that moniker for me I always correct them and say I'm, a, I'm an artist because I actually have an immense distrust for the institution you know like when when I when I'm called a theater artist it feels like I'm I'm being owned it feels like um, there's actually a lid being put on what I can do and what I can imagine into and you know with my lingerie play like yeah it did start it started as a solo piece of my music that I was writing about my lingerie collection because I wanted to show the humanity of of me and and what I look like and you know this old whenever I meditate I, I'm always able to kind of step out and separate like I'm able to look actually see myself from the outside and be like oh my god I have to remember that I am a Korean American femme presenting person with agency, um, with shaved hair, and is queer, like, like, we, that is, that is such a foreign (laughs) concept (laughs) to so many people, Mm. and so I just wanted to show that agency on stage, and eventually I got frustrated, because I was like, this is so silly, because I'm going to write this thing, this rah, rah, rah piece, and the same, like, hundreds of people who know to not treat people like shit are going to come to this, sit in a black box, and pat themselves on the back and be like, I'm doing so well. And that's why I wanted to take it to the street, and that's why I wanted to do these installations, because it was like, I'm just going to have to make my own commercial. Like, I'm just going to have to do it unapologetically. And I know that it happened before before social media became as big as it did. Uh Um, And I think that's why, that's actually why it gained all that traction because it was one of the kind of first things that, that um, a lot of like social media press like tapped into, you know? Um, So... Uh, so yeah, in terms, so that was the process for, for my lingerie play and like, why did it, why did it explode into this like undefinable weird thing? Mm. Um, and then for clairvoyance, you know, for clairvoyance, they actually, ART actually wanted to bring my lingerie play to Oberon. And for a long time we were talking about it. And then I was on a retreat in Thailand. I was on a, um, on a self healing (laughs) retreat um, on my own and just, you know, cut off from society and from the noise and from all of that. And I went to a uh, clairvoyant in Thailand. I was on a, uh, I was at the Wonderland Healing Center, which is in a jungle in um, Kofangam. So I'm in this jungle and this clairvoyant had just told me, you know, without me even saying anything, she was like, whatever you're working on, Something is stand. Someone is standing in the way of of that actually being your truth. So whatever you're working on, don't work on it anymore. You need to be focusing on your music. And the second she said it, it was like 
I could relax. I could breathe. The pressure was off. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like my lingerie play is, I mean, it was so amazing and it's so fun and I, maybe I'll revisit it someday. I'm not sure. Or an iteration of it in some way, you know, Mm. but it, it was rooted in so much anger Mm. that I was at a place where I want to be rooted in light right now. You Mm. know, I want to make something loving. I want to make something celebratory. I don't want to make something, you know, like tits out, like gloves up. Like I I just want to kind of live in this space of like, let me honor the depth of who we are. Let me honor the depth of who I am. Let me like feel my ancestry. Let me feel my witchery like let me kind of live in a spiritual place right now of what is the thing that actually binds us all Mm -hmm. um so when she said you need to focus on your music it was like the exact permission I needed to focus on my music Mm -hmm. you know and music is I mean it took me years to get comfortable calling myself a musician because I didn't think it was a space I could ever occupy because what we're fed with the pop machine and everything. I mean, I love pop music. I mean, I love it. We love it. Like it, they are so good at feeding us candy, mm-hmm. but, and I'm only just realizing that like the radio is corporate sponsorship. <laughs> like we're actually fed the thing to buy, <laughs> you know, like that is an incredible, um, like, immense Mount Everest of, of vetting that needs to happen before a song even makes it through to the radio. Yeah. And that's why you go to that concert at Madison Square Garden, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, it, I don't think I ever grew up feeling like music is something I could, I could do. And so when she said it, it was like, it was like this music is something I do do. It is my truth. It is my most honest. No one gives me permission. I give myself permission. I'm, I get to be in the control seat and not in a way that it feels like disgusting, in a way that feels like, no, I actually have a vision and I'm hearing this. And, and like, I, you know, I get to decide who gets to be the band and who I want to play with and share energy with. And these songs that are so honest and rooted in so much like emotional. Um, integrity like it is this emotional integrity because it is you know I don't write a song unless I'm feeling a certain emotion <laughs> yeah so and music is, is it's just like such a calibration like like it I feel like I'm able to really calibrate a room with whatever yeah. vibe I want to offer at that time I mean it's literally vibration so like (laughs) it is sound is vibration so you are adjusting everyone to your vibration totally totally and it's like oh my god am I ever gonna be a pop star am I ever gonna like learn choreo like absolutely not I'm never gonna learn choreo choreo is not gonna be a part of like if anything like like with clairvoyance the most choreo that there was was like enter here on this chorus and just freak dance, you know, (laughs) you know, and it's just a very like punk rock way of doing things. So with the process of clairvoyance, okay, so whatever, received her message, was like, oh my God, that is my truth. That is my center. That is my dharma. That is my calling. That's who I need to be. 
I wrote, I texted my agent with like the half bar of, um, of a service that I had in the jungle and was just like, I don't want to do my lingerie play. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I just want to focus on my music. Can they do that? <laughs> and he was, he wrote back and he was like, uh, you, uh, we kind of promised them a show. Like, I don't think they're gonna suddenly just like let you do like whatever you want without a having had like made anything be like you know well what is it gonna be you know and I was just like all we can do is ask all we can do is ask just let them know that like it'll be a concert it's gonna be amazing Mm. and it'll be I have so much music it'll be baller you know yeah and he's like okay we'll ask so he asked, and then within a day, you know, um, the producer had written back from ART, Mark Lunsford, who's amazing, and he was just like, amazing, we trust her, she can do whatever she wants. The thing we're actually interested in is how she interacts with the community, you know, and mm. is, on, is the installation work. And so then with Mark, we were able to kind of carve out this residency with ART you know he because he had access to different um spaces in Boston yeah um and I mean like institutional space like the Institute of Contemporary Art the Boston Public Library Harvard Yard the fact that he put himself out there to to vet for me and say this is an artist who's going to come and do what she does it was it was amazing, and if you had asked me five years ago, like, what, what is your life in the arts going to look like? I could never say like, well, I'm going to be making installations at the Boston Public Library and like doing a concert that invites everybody to drop soil in a vessel that's then going to like go into the ground and plant a tree at Harvard Arboretum, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was so intuitive and that's when it's my favorite that's when art is my favorite is when it's all like it's all about intuition and it's not about product and it's not about result and it's not about like oh my god well who's who's coming and like who's gonna be able to move my show to da 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 you know like I don't know where clairvoyance is going like I don't know if it'll ever happen again Mm. same with my lingerie play I don't know you know, do I think that my lingerie play could be turned into, like, a biopic concert music film? <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. But amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing, I right? Like, so fun. What be in that audience? <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Um, and maybe it will, you know, but I, but until, like, I intuitively feel hungry for it, um, you know, I can't because I can't do it for other people. Mm, yeah that is what is so powerful about your work which is like it looks at systems and you kind of just like your work kind of tries to move through them in a way that breaks them down and shows you show us kind of like you show us the the what we take for granted is like the way things have to be or the system or you know <laughs> really? I just got really? this image that you're always going to be the person who writes like like what are those things when like in books or whatever when like there's an author's note but then there's like a 
a note from a friend or oh, something. Oh, like a like, forward? A forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you'll always be the person I'll go to be like, Rachel, you write the forward for, <laughs> for this thing. Yeah. I want to talk about clairvoyance installation number two. Yeah. Which was, um, there was a section that was white people read. Yeah. Which was in the library. It was in the Boston Public Library. And yeah. you had a bunch of reading that was by, you know, queer, trans, people of color. Yeah. And ask people to, white people to participate in that way. And then there was also... Um, what you don't hold on to what you don't want to hold on to alone anymore and you painting a very large sign with I mean I am not afraid of my own rage and then a lot of other messages and inviting people to participate by writing their own messages and a lot of what theater does is we reach out to like the hundred or so hundreds of people that are already kind of used to seeing work like that are already kind of in the club with us yeah but white people read and like these installation pieces reach audiences that may have never heard of you before and don't know what you're about and you're engaging with people who may not be emotionally prepared or like have ever thought about these things before wow you know like did you do you find yourself you're holding space for these people do you but do you find like you're also receiving like is it all I can you talk about like their reactions yeah it's amazing it's amazing you know and I think it's the same reason why I got emotional sitting down across from you from this like table with these like epic microphones you know and it's just like here we are we are assembled aren't we you know (laughs) it's it's this thing of like being witnessed to you know being seen like, so that it's, it's, it's this level of, like, I just don't want to hold it alone anymore. Like, we make art because it is, we're literally throwing up. It's like, I'm getting all these messages and all these ideas and I'm feeling many feelings. And if I don't put it out there, I'm gonna just die with this weight on me. And so getting to, like throw up in front of all these people and then these people can like look at the throw up and be like oh my god I ate that like I know what she ate like Mm. yeah like (laughs) you know kind of like we can like look at look at that this vomit all together you know and and they get to see that like oh my god that vomit costs that person something Mm. like this person who's vomiting is you know wow like thank you for for articulating it you know I guess the only difference between like art and vomit is that art is just kind of like organized vomit (laughs) (laughs) art is just organized vomit that is definitely a pull quote from this interview (laughs) like it so is I love that I love that so much you know and I think that's why like I'm really selective and careful about who I organize that vomit with because it's so vulnerable, the things that are coming out of us. Like, mm-hmm. it's so... I want to know that I'm organizing with the person who, who wants me to be healthy. Like, I'm organizing with the person who, 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 who wants to relieve me, you know, in some way. Wow, Rachel, this this interview is making wow. <laughs> this is why therapy is amazing, right? Because you just get to talk it out loud and be like, "Wow. Wow." <laughs> like, let's do this every week. Perfect. <laughs> We're on. <laughs> I'll 
start paying you to just like press record and let's just let me just talk and figure shit out. Oh my god. I'm okay. here for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So fuck. Holy shit. So yeah, so like coming across people who recognize it and can see it and can feel empathy and connection and gratitude i think that's what make, makes me feel the, that's what makes me feel the most seen is when people meet me with gratitude is when people say you know thank you for making that thank you for putting yourself out there in that way um because it it is giving mm-hmm. you know and i i don't want it to feel like taking like i think that's scary it's a scary thing and we know that we have been in those rooms before when it feels like the art is taking something away from you like it either Mm. took your time or it took your sleep or it took you know you want it to feel like it's giving you thumps rest comfort something to think about something to get excited about you know a space to feel loved full whole angry happy you know that's that's actually what it's like a very circular cyclical thing and and if I come across people who who don't respond to it who are like what the fuck is this shit like I mean it's kind of like I have blinders on I just put the blind it's like because I know that I can feel that energy like I've definitely gotten heckled I've definitely even at the Boston Public Library there was a guy who came up right up next to me and was like I don't even remember what he was saying but it wasn't nice and it was very part of the problem it was very like Mm. You know, I think I was writing something about, like, um, like Mexican immigrants, and he was like, yeah, well, look at them now. Like, now they're getting all the jobs, and we can't get any, you know? And, like, he just, you know, there was a lot of anger. Um, and, you know, and very gently, very gently, the staff was like, sir, we're going to, you know, ask you to leave. And it was, it felt nice because it felt like, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone. I don't actually have to have this debate with this man alone. Mm. You know, but it also brings up the question of like, well, then who will have that debate? Like who will be able to sit with him and be like, here's where it's different. (laughs) It's so challenging to have those conversations with people. You're saying, hey, queer folks, trans folks, people of color, femme-identifying people. Like, yeah. I'm seeing you. This is a space for you. But it, it doesn't mean that it's, that it's excluding white, cis males or yeah. females. It's not exclusive. But I feel like you asked the question of how, how do we create space for other people without feeling like, like all the, you know, the people we've traditionally seen in the past or held space for in the past are still... I don't know. Do you feel like you, you have to include them? Is there work or what is that relationship? Um, I mean, I think this brings up, you know, for Infinite Love Party, how I wanted to create that very intentional space that it wasn't just an affinity space. It wasn't just like people of color only, mm. all allies, like fuck off, you know, because that's not my truth. That's actually not how I live in the world. Like, I understand the importance of infinity space. Like, this right now, you and me sitting here, this is an affinity space. We are feeling some epic shit. We know. Mm-hmm. We don't have to explain or defend why we're feeling what we're feeling. That is the importance of an affinity space. Mm-hmm. But my everyday life is not like that. I occupy 
my, not even about occupying anything. It's about, you know, my friends like are a wide range, <laughs> wide range of ages, occupations, gender, sexuality, race, um, queer folks, trans folks, cis folks, you know, it's, it's, and, and I want to believe that we live in this world where we can all occupy that space together while understanding why the queer trans people of color need to be centered. And that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create a space that centered, centered this joy. You know, I wanted it to be rooted in joy and pleasure and fun and like all my nights out. Like, I mean, it, it, it is, you know, when you think about like, what was the dramaturgy for Infinite Love Party? It was like my, my life, like my social <laughs> life, like get over it. Like, yeah. like the entire, the developmental path for a play is so boring to me. Mm. And that's okay because I'm actually, I don't create in that way. It should be boring to me. Like don't, you know, it should be boring. It's like, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm an ocean, like, stop trying to light me on fire, you know, (laughs) but some people are wood and they, and they need to be lit with wood fire. Like, it's like, you know, I respond better to, to, to dumping fish in me rather than, (laughs) you know, more gasoline. Like, it's just a different, wow, Rachel, this is amazing. Right? Like, don't put gasoline in the ocean. That's going to pollute it. Put gasoline on the, on the, Wood, that's gonna make flames. Like people are different. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So so you know, do I have these folks in mind? No, we no. But I also know that that the pe- my cis het white male friends will understand that and hold space for that. And it will bring them joy and pleasure in a way that's not like, what are you taking from us? But in a way that's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here to have a good ass fucking time. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. take this space in and be here for my friend. And witness. And witness. And witness. And witness. You know, and yeah. not get defensive and not bro out. And like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, I think, a great segue into this idea that um, you've written, which is sexual liberation is deeply tied to social justice. Yeah. When did you come up with this idea that sexual liberation is deeply tied to social justice? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, I think, you know, I think my lingerie play, like, you know, anytime I make art, it grows me. Like, because when, when anyone, anytime anyone's making art or a part of art or even, you know, acting in something, you're showing up to be superhuman. Like, you've already accepted that I'm not just human, I'm superhuman because I'm here to actually comment on the human condition. So that takes a level of, like, confidence. <laughs> and that takes a level of... Um, empathy and understanding and like wanting to understand the the human condition and you know I I was just always like that like why am I always more comfortable in a sports bra than like in a button-up shirt you know I've always just been that way and 
and it, 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 it does have something to do with sexual liberation, like exposing my body in any which way and feeling comfortable about it in a way that like, it doesn't mean, you know, me sitting in a sports bra across from you does not mean like Rachel come, come get me. It's just like, I'm warm and I want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, why is that not tied to social justice? You know, if I can stand here in my truth and power and not ask to be um, demoted, harassed, talked down to, um, written off, all the things that come with um, a sexually liberated human being. You know, even the way that we talk to each other in bed in our like sexual relationships that is 10,000% tied to social justice because it becomes a way that we stand for our worth we stand for our rights we stand for you know no means no <laughs> like we stand for like here is what i am comfortable with you actually don't tell my body what to do and i don't tell your body what to do like, mm. please, let's communicate in a way that you tell me what you're into. I tell you what I'm into. Let's see if that's compatible without you forcing anything on me and me forcing anything on you. You know, and it is in these intimate times when, like, we are one-on-one with each other where where we practice... we we practice communication and so it's like well so then what is social justice like social justice is just like the one-on-one on a broader scale mm-hmm. um yeah and it, it also brings up you know sexual liberation it's like that is a privilege that is a privilege that some people can get to feel that and some people can't mm. When you have a black trans femme woman walking down the street, her experience is not going to be the same as your cishet white man's sexual liberation, right? It's like the, the like, ex, like exposed bodies are not all equal. Mm-hmm. It's not on equal ground. And it kind of, you know, when I'm thinking about it, it kind of, it almost can kind of all be tied, tied, like all the work that's happening out there, all the injustices in the world, it kind of does tie down to that simplicity of like, we just want to feel whole and good in our bodies. We just want to feel worthy. You know, we just want to feel like everyone can have, can have an equal chance without walking out into the street and getting deported from the country they were born in. Mm. Yeah, and and I also think about, um, you know, sex education as we know it is, is, is so busted, is so busted. You know, we weren't taught self-worth, respect, communication. We're taught be careful, <laughs> you know, always use a condom or else. And if you fall into the or else category, you're fucked. Hmm. You do actually can't go to your parents. You go to Planned Parenthood. But they're coming after Planned Parenthood. So that leaves us with, like, suicide. You know? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's that's what I mean by it. By... 
by it being social justice. And I saw J-Lo. I saw J-Lo mm. on Saturday night. It, the concert got blocked out. So we went back on Monday. Yeah, mon- yes, Monday, two days ago, Monday night. She ended her concert in her wearing this like thong, basically a thong. She's wearing a thong. I'm going to get the ending of the J-Lo concert away. Sorry, not sorry. Like, <laughs> it was good because you can just like imagine it in your imagination and be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Because she's 50 years old. She's 50 years old. And I don't show up to J-Lo for like the hits. I show up to J-Lo for the meat that's in the middle that she can't give out forthrightly because we live in a racist, fucked up country where she's singing in Spanish to her fans who have been with her since the beginning. Mm. to her fans who recognize her songs in Spanish and are singing along with her, that's the shit right there. Mm. And that's the shit that I feel like J-Lo is such an infiltrator because she, like, yeah, like she is a corporation at this point. She is, you know, whatever J-Lo touches, you buy. You know, she, she made it through the pop machine. And if it means that she can then sing in Spanish in the middle of her sets... Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. You know? And at the very end, she just like shook her ass in this song as a 50-year-old woman on stage. And I got so emotional because I was like, my mother was like 50, (laughs) you know, (laughs) once upon a time. And that was never a valid choice, you know? (laughs) Like, like... And that would be awkward. Like, if my mother started doing that at <laughs> 50 and shaking her ass with her thong, like, that would be, like, you know, the incorrect choice for her. But it is not the incorrect choice for me, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and just to get to see that as a role model of, like, you can live in your truth. JLo is sexually liberated and she's living in that. Hell yeah. Was there a point where you just got tired of like how, of being told? I mean, when I think about how Asian American women are represented in the media and on stage, like we are Asian American women are sexualized and then we yeah. and then punished for it. You know, the way not just Asian American mm. women, the way many mm. women are. Like, was there a point that where you're like, like fuck that noise? Like, how how do mm. I? I mean, I think I live fuck that noise every day you know I think I think that like which is a double-edged sword it's very empowering and then at the same time in in the dark corners of the night it can feel very lonely and it can feel like I'm so alone and and I don't matter and if you know I have I have a lot of anxiety I have a lot of depression like like there are days when I feel like anything I say doesn't matter. Any art I make doesn't matter. Like, like, you know, it's just, I'm so selfish. I'm so this, I'm so X, Y, and Z thing. And, but I already forgot the question. Cause I'm like, no. what was the question again about? I mean, the question was like, did you have a wake up moment from, from the feeling sexualized or, or the opposite or, or, or being told non-sexual yeah, yeah, enough yeah. or whatever? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got but it. also like where you're going with this is like brilliant. <laughs> I think like you're speaking to what is challenging about the work you're making. Right. Cause it's, it can be really, it can get very lonely because without people there to, 
to validate it. Like there are some artists who are like, I don't need anyone's validation. I just know who I am and I can like do it and it's fine. I am not that person. I am not that person. I will want four or five people at the very least to be like, thank you Mm. for being brave and saying, fuck this noise. Because without that, I start to feel crazy. Without at least four or five people who I can text and be like, am I crazy (laughs) for... Am I crazy for wanting to go out into Times Square and stand in my lingerie about why I'm standing in my lingerie? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it can... You know, and I'm always working on I'm always working on, like, oh, my gosh, how can you do it without any validation, without any affirmation from people? How can you do it? And I kind of sometimes feel like I don't know if, if one really can... Mm. you know because then what's the I mean we're we're human beings like we are tied to each other we want to be together and like and find each other you know so I so it's fun. It's fun to kind of say fuck this noise with other people who also want to say fuck this noise. And that's not to say like fuck this noise. We want nothing. It's like fuck this noise. Let's make it better. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also trying to, you know, with this, because this newest thing that I'm, I've been making for the past two years and it's the scariest thing. It's the scaredest I've ever felt scarier than whatever put me in laundry in Times square like not scary at all like that is like so regular for me writing this play called my hate letter to the great american theater putting it up in the public inviting other people to come see it other people who run theaters and then just stand up there with like 10 other people and go through all the things of like what I hate about the great American theater mm. is very scary. What about it is scary? What's the scariest part to you? Um, that I'm wrong. You know, that like I say all this stuff and that I'm actually so blind that I actually don't even... It's like the silly little girl complex. It's like they're like, oh, silly little girl. Like, you know so little. Like, you actually don't even know how money works. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, how do I live in this place of trust that, no, 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 I actually have something to say. Like, I actually can be a sage in this moment. Mm. Like, if I'm willing to put myself out there, which I am, and that's what I do feel, I feel like, I'm willing to put myself out there because I don't feel like I have things to lose. Because it's this thing of like, well, what will I lose? A a production, (laughs) like a production that won't, you know? And it's just, yeah, right? It's like kind of this trust that like, it's this fear that I'm gonna put myself out there and who will be there to catch me when I fall? 
And what if it's no one, you know? The thing about the theater is, like, we, we grow up learning, learning the ways to ask it to choose us. And you are just like, actually, I don't need you to choose me anymore. I'm just going to choose myself. Oh, my God, Rachel. And I do feel like, like that's what it sounds like this is. It's like, dear American theater, like, I don't need you to choose me. <laughs> that is one of the lines at the very end okay like spoiler alert you know? <laughs> but that realization is like comes at the very end of like I, I choose me I choose my worth and I trust that the people who also choose me and my worth are the people who are supposed to carry me and if you can't carry me then maybe you weren't strong enough to begin with to carry me mm. you know oh, I'm gonna cry yeah like I don't <laughs> that's so beautiful that that exact thing of like I don't I don't need you to choose me I also don't know then how I make money because it's like, well, then who's going to choose me so I can make money? You know, I think that's where it gets a little scary is where it's like, I don't need you to choose me. And at the same time, I really want to make a living. (laughs) Like, I really, money makes me, money is energy and it gives me energy to live, you know? So it becomes this tricky thing of like, I don't need you to choose me. And also, I want to make sure that the things that do choose me, that are also paying me, are choosing me for me, you know? In alignment with what you want to be making and not, yeah. 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 Which I will say, like, thankfully, um, you know, I have felt, like, I have felt that, you know, with Rattlestick, I felt very held by them. And a lot of this play is also, you know, maybe it's not things that have directly happened to me, but it's things that, like, I have definitely observed. You know, every time I go to a gala, it's always like, wow, this is really interesting. <laughs> I feel like this is really interesting, like, that idea. Like, it's just a great way to observe things like... <laughs> wealth disparity and when you go to events that like were that are extremely ostentatious or like people are behaving in ways that you're like wow you have no you're completely oblivious to your own privilege like and I feel like in the past I would often get angry about that but I think now I'm I should you know really just look at it and be like oh this is really interesting yeah I don't know because I don't know how to navigate that space (laughs) (laughs) those spaces yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I sit I sit across from you right now at this place of So my my dad passed away like 3 weeks ago and I've been in like such a dark place. Such a dark place. And like sitting here, you know, doing this podcast and talking about like talk about your work. Talk about your life's work. You know, and like it's this duality of like, wow, I've done some shit, you know, and I will continue to do shit, but I also don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, mm. you know? 
Yeah, because it is, it's still, it's still gigging. It's still like, I'm good for these three months. Will mm. I be good for the next three? You know? Yeah. And, and one, and I wonder if that ever goes away. Like, I wonder how JLo handles. <laughs> like she's on tour right now and then she's doing her movie and she's doing that, that she's like, obviously has like, she's a corporation at this point. So she has her like advertisements with guests and she has her TV show with, you know, that's that dancing show that's on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, world of dance. And it's just like, I wonder, wow, does she actually worry about the same shit that we do, but on a different thing? Because that, because she has so much more income, but that also means that she has like four more houses. So, so she also sit there, you know, right. in like December 2019 of like, fuck, how am I going to afford my four houses after <laughs> the season ends, you know? I don't know. I also don't understand rich. I don't know how rich people live. Like, you know, I'll let you know. (laughs) That's going to be on the next, uh, next time we see, talk to Diana. Yeah. We'll find out how rich people live. (laughs) Yeah. The next time you see me, I'll be so rich. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for talking. Oh my God. Thank you so much. (laughs) Fun. Oh, man.